The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 24th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, About that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. They knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. This past week I was doing my part for the economy and shopping, if one can imagine. I was shopping for cards for my boys, shopping for a Christmas card. I found one that caused me to laugh out loud, as we say online. It was the image of two unicorns seeing Noah's Ark off sailing into the distance. And one says to the other, that was today? (laughs) We've all heard that gag spoken in different ways. It struck me so hard yesterday or Wednesday, Thursday, whenever it was, maybe it was Friday, Black Friday. I laughed out loud, people thought, there's a fellow who is not institutionalized. His public behavior was so disruptive. I kept laughing. I've seen it before. I've seen the joke. But anybody who has partnered with another knows the times when we implicitly quarrel with one another as though the other is to blame. That was today? Wasn't it your responsibility to remember? They missed the boat, the unicorns, and became extinct. Here again, Jesus' words in the context of the 24th chapter of Matthew. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as it was in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. That is truly the theme of the Sundays of Advent. The pericopes we read during these four weeks of preparation are stories about readiness, about knowing the day that's coming. In my view, we can read the biblical stories during Advent in one of two ways. We can read it first as a threat, as a warning that you better or else the judge is going to get you. Or I urge caution in reading this way. I don't believe that's Jesus' intent nor Matthew's. Consider instead the stories of Advent as ready for Christ's coming as a promise fulfilled. 
The advent of Christ, the incarnate word among us, is the fulfillment and the promise of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the promise of the fulfillment of the words of the prophets. I choose to believe that Christ will come again and take us to eternal life. I choose to believe the promise. And in the promise and its belief is the readiness that we share. Ordinarily, I am loath to use martial images in proclaiming the kingdom of God. But most of my adult life, having been spent in uniform, I think of that key word that's foundational to life together in a deploying community, and that word is readiness. So significant is it that in my military studies and in my experience, operations for which everyone is ready are successful. When readiness is not obtained, then it is not successful. It's just that simple. I think the application to our life together in faith, in anticipation of Christ's coming in the incarnation and coming again at the end of the time is no different. When I served at Shaw Air Force Base in the late 1980s, early 90s, we had a commander who made us exercise, that is, practice for deployment and warfare in the midst of South Carolina heat. A medical officer, friend of mine, declared that indeed our commander must have been dropped in his youth. He must have suffered some trauma as a little boy that he would subject us to such punishment as adults. He was joking. I, I see you're not amused. I was amused until the 2nd of August, 1990, when we deployed subsequent to Saddam Hussein's annexation of Kuwait as a province of Iraq. We landed in a classified location and it was 130 degrees. The humidity was consonant with that which we experienced in South Carolina. Anticipating we might deplane in a chemical environment, we wore chem suits as we called them, like rubber suits with a tight-fitting gas mask. Put that on at 130 degrees in high temperatures and you'll think someone dropped you on your head as a child. It turned out we were not deploying in a chemical environment, but that readiness and that preparation were absolutely key to how do we perform under a real test? How do we perform when the time comes for the fulfillment of that for which we prepare? I remember it vividly when we returned. On the 2nd of August, 1990, I was on a retreat with my congregants from Shaw Air Force Base in western North Carolina in the beautiful mountains, and we learned what had happened, and we got back as soon as we could. We manned a mobility processing unit and I saw the readiness of people whether they were ready or not. Some people, a couple of them, came with their children because they had not completed their family contingency requirements. They were not allowed to go. Some hadn't prepared physically. Their immunizations were not current. Their documentation was not current and they couldn't go. They just didn't know. I remember people saying, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> then for what did you sign up? That was the reason that we had that organization, the United States Air Force. The reason I think we have this organization is vastly greater, more, it is eternal. The organization in which we participate, Christ Lutheran Church, Christendom, the world of faith, is a world that is founded in readiness. It is readiness for the coming of Christ at Christmas, for the fulfillment of the prophets, and Christ coming again at the end of time. The life of faith, readiness is believing the promises of God that were bestowed on us at baptism. That we realize in community and faith together 
but are brought to perfection in the life to come. Lutheran ethicist George Farrell wrote a great book when I was a seminary student called Faith Active in Love. It's long out of print, but I have reread that great little Augsburg book over the years as it reminds me that readiness as a Christian person means we live out our faith together now in anticipation of Christ coming again to be found about our Creator's work, to see in the face of every neighbor one who's created in the image of God, to receive every stranger in our midst, in our community, in our nation, as another created in God's image, to receive them. Now is the time, George Farrell wrote, not some other time, for the kingdom of God that is the eternal God, the eternal kingdom, the church triumphant, will come upon you, Jesus says, like a thief in the night. It is not ours to know. Now is the time, not some other time. Then two men will be in the field, One will be taken, and one is left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, and one will be left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. That is the the consequence of readiness in the spiritual life. The appearance of two men in the field and two women in the mill were indistinguishable. The outcome of their work was the same. They needed each other to do their tasks. One eats and drinks and trusts in the promise of the kingdom of God and the other just eats and drinks. And there is the difference. Threat or promise. One rests in the promise, enjoys life and community, and the other just eats and drinks. Maybe one believes, I have no need of God or my neighbor. In fact, I do not welcome my neighbor. Maybe one doesn't see the opportunity in every neighbor, every stranger, every person, an opportunity to prepare in readiness for Christ coming again. And I believe this distinction, this readiness thing, affects our entire outlook on life and our relationships with one another. Scott Peck influenced me greatly in his writing. Though now deceased, this great physician, psychiatrist, and I believe spiritual man, uh, one whose ministry was helping us cope with life, opened his classic work, The Road Less Traveled, with three words that said simply, life is hard. Life is very hard. At times it calls upon us to bear burdens we would not choose, to let go of the life of a loved one, to be broken in a relationship that we cherish, to lose things that we had saved all our life, to lose our health. Life is hard. For those in Jesus' time, those who heard these words, be prepared for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Life was harder. The image of a thief breaking in is an interesting one for the coming of Jesus again, but that's the image Jesus uses. A thief may come at an hour you do not expect. In the life and times of Jesus, there were no insurance policies. There wasn't a a law enforcement policy county sheriff that would come and save you. If someone burrowed into your house and stole what you had or took your life, you were out of luck. There was no one who would come and save you. Jesus announces to them, the same is with the kingdom of God. It will come without advertisement. I'm not a law preacher. I'm not saying God is going to get you if you're not ready. But I'm saying the anticipation of Christ coming in Christmas and coming at the end of time is the realization of a promise for which I want to be ready now. I take comfort in the incarnation. I take comfort that Christ is coming again for me. I breathe the air of confidence 
that rests in a promise that was made to me in September of 1951, before I knew how to do anything for myself. And the Lord spoke my name through the officiant of that baptism. The water was poured on me, and the Lord said, this one is mine. This one, Howard H., whatever he shall be, is mine always. I didn't choose my father and mother. Life came to me out of their love for one another. I didn't choose to be Lutheran. I was drafted. I was conscripted. And I want to be faithful as a servant of that community. It changes the way I look at everything. And finally, readiness for the coming of Christ gives me a sense about the long view of everything. And it gives me a sense of humor that I can look at the unicorn seeing the drifting, sailing away ark and laugh when they say, was that today? I don't want to miss the boat. I want to be ready for the boat anytime it comes, not because I'm afraid, but because I am joyful with you. Recently I was complaining to a physician friend when we were playing golf that my hip hurts. And then my epicondylitis and my arm hurts, you know, and I, I can't see out of my right eye, so I have to have this rangefinder to see how far the pin away is. And my physician friend said, H, do you have anything at home that's almost 70 years old? And I said, no. He said, stuff wears out, man. It doesn't last forever. So we had a good laugh. And then he complained about his congestive heart failure and showed me his ankles were swelling and we laughed again. Readiness for the kingdom of God, I think, gives us a sense of humor that we do not take ourselves so seriously that I have to justify myself in every way. For I was justified in September of 1951 when I was just a month old and the Lord said, this one is mine. Readiness for the kingdom of God gives us an ability to prioritize and have a sense of humor Readiness for the kingdom of God as we prepare our church with greens. As we prepare ourselves, we take angels for whom we can give gifts. That's eternity. My inability to grow hair on the top of my head or see with my right eye, that's just for a time. Advent is for eternity. This morning I thank God for each of you. I thank God for our pastor, safely home. I thank God for the time we have. And I remember finally, one of my heroes in life was a professor of mine. His name was Dr. Dan Simonson. Dr. Simonson taught Hebrew, Old Testament biblical studies at Luther Seminary when I was a lad. I loved Dr. Simonson. Dr. Simonson had a, an academic pedigree without equal. Stanford, Seminex, Harvard Divinity School, published author, and humble, gentle, loving man. I revered him like his peers of the faculty revered him. The last time I heard him speak was at a gathering of military clergy, Lutheran, Church, Missouri Synod, and ELCA, gathered in San Diego for a retreat. Our speaker, our preacher, our retreat leader was Dr. Dan Simonson. Dr. Simonson shared with us, a specialist in the literature of Job, the writings of the Old Testament, of Bible and suffering, that he had lost just a couple of weeks before his wife to an extended illness. He spoke to us about the biblical stories and grief and shared with us, he said, the greatest gift we have is time. I realized that in retrospect. I hope I realized it when we were living together. 
Realize it, all of you, as he pointed at us. He said, readiness is your business. Be ready. Be ready every day for the coming of the kingdom of God. I'll never forget it. Dr. Simonson is with the Lord in the church triumphant. It was a privilege to hear him share the Advent promise with us that Christ is coming. What a privilege it is to be with you in this Advent season. What a privilege it will be on the last day, my last day or the last day of creation. What a privilege it is every day to honor and respect every other human created in the Lord's image and to welcome them, to invite them, and to have them join us as co-heirs of the promise that is coming. What a privilege it is every day to live and to be prepared without fear of my judge, but awaiting the time when Christ comes again and draws us all into what we call the glorious company of the saints in light. Be ready. You're one of them. Amen.